Hey guys, what's up? This is Ken Susie here at Fishman Live, and I'm so sorry that we're a little bit late. We're having a little bit of issues with the uh, Skype and getting us uh, hooked up on the live feed, but everything is great, and we have a very special guest today. But before I announce this guest, um, as I said before, we're dealing with ways to avoid this current pandemic, and now um, and now we're seeing how it's affected the music industry, and obviously it's affecting everyone's lives, socially, business-wise, and now. We're dealing with a health crisis as well as an economic crisis at the same time. So please remember to adhere to the regulations of your state. So now um, I have a very special guest, which I, I'm excited to announce. Mr. John Driscoll Hopkins from the Zach Brown Band. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you? Um, I'm living the dream over here. I'm over in Massachusetts. Where are you at? Atlanta. Atlanta. Nice. Well, you know, obviously, uh, we're all dealing with this this current crisis. I mean, what are you doing to pass the time? What are you What are you doing to keep your family and the people that you know, you know, that are close uh, around you, uh, safe right now? Well, you know, we haven't left the house except for groceries uh, since March eighth. Yeah. So we we have been locked down. We canceled our, you know, spring break vacation. We're on spring break right now. This is, <laughs> this is all the excitement that we get for spring break. But we've bought a you know a sixty five dollar pool and filled it up in the front yard and and we're just trying to enjoy you know the, the warmer days. Uh, today's a little chilly, but but it is uh, it's it's nice to 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 really be home and not be able to go anywhere. Um, but I, I I definitely feel like we're getting cabin fever. So <laughs> you know the, I've got three little girls, eleven and two sevens, and and they're they're wide open. Every night this week we've had uh, movie night. So, you know, we're, we're on uh, episode eight of the Star Wars saga, including <laughs> Rogue One. So <laughs> we're in my attic right now, and this is my studio. I'll show you the uh, – I, I hang up this big screen right here. Yeah. Oh. And then the girls – yeah. So then the girls, like, you know, throw popcorn all over the studio, and I make them <laughs> – Well, just so you know, um, John, we're, we're literally uh, doing this feed – from Fishman Live, but we're broadcasting on uh, Facebook, uh, Fishman's Facebook Live, Fishman's Twitter account, sorry, um, Twitch account, excuse me, and YouTube. Sorry, guys, I'm a little bit fried. Jen Majira from Evanescence, who I mentioned earlier, is on the feed. She says hello to you. Uh, but, uh, but anybody out there that has any questions for John, please uh, send them over. I'm going to be reading. I'm going to be asking some questions, but uh, just kind of send along your questions, and we'll get to them as we can. But uh, So that's kind of cool that you're, like, hanging out you know, with the girls and watching, watching Star Wars. Uh, now, are you watching them from episode four first, or are you starting with the very first Star Wars, like the, you know, part started one? started with, with uh, Phantom Menace. Wow. And it's only because, <laughs> and I, this is my reasoning, I was like, look, if we get those over with, <laughs> then we don't have to worry about it. If I start you at episode four, the surprises are going to be better, but... <laughs> you're going to be, you're going to be going backward in quality. So, um, you know, I, everybody has all of the episodes, but I was, uh, I saw four in the, in the, the theater when I was a kid. So it, uh, there's nothing like the original timeline, you know, the, the way that it all came together. Yeah. Um, but I'm I, having fun. I, I think I, I think guys our age. I mean, you're a little bit older than me because I I think that my first Star Wars was Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So that was um that was my first one, and I think that was eighty two or eighty five. I can't I can't remember, but but it's got 
Yeah, eighty three. So it's got it's it's kind of cool. Like we've had years to obsess over those movies, but your girls, if they they can be they could start at one. They could start at Man and Menace because it's just at that point, you know, it's just one. It's a sequence at that point. Well, I didn't think they would notice all of the technological differences, but we watched Return of the Jedi two nights ago in that that land speeder thing through the indoor moon. Yeah, the green screen is so weak. <laughs> compared to what it is now, compared to what green screen is now, that my 11-year-old was like, that green screen is terrible. I was like, wow. <laughs> she's, really? Yeah, she knew. So. Yeah, she's like, why is part one, two, and three all like cartoon CGI-ish? And then why, why does it go backwards and then forwards? Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> well, hey, man, well, I got to ask you, you've had a, you ha- you've had a very interesting career. Um, I see that you've, um, you started off, you were raised in Gainesville, Georgia, correct? That's right. And uh, from there, you went to Florida State University, and you, um, you know, you basically started bands uh, in that area at that time. Gainesville, uh, for me, I play in a heavy metal band uh, called Unearth. We we tour a lot. We've toured a lot in the uh, the early thousands. Gainesville's always been kind of a, a hot spot for music, in my opinion, whether it be heavy metal or or country or rock or whatever it is, and even Florida. They're pretty obsessed down there, right, with music. And and what what was it like starting your own bands prior uh, to joining? Uh, you know, your, your current band, the Zach Brown band. Well, let's, let's make sure we're talking about Gainesville, Georgia, not Gainesville, Florida. Right. Gainesville, Georgia has always been a hotbed for definitely music. Like there's a lot of music enthusiasts there, correct? Yeah. There are a lot of, I, 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 it's funny because such a small town, you're, you're not wrong. There's, we're very close to Athens, very close to Atlanta. So we're kind of the, the foothills of the Appalachian. Uh, the last hub get into the the, the and, um, so you will have some music come through Gainesville, but we most most of the music that I saw growing up was in Athens or Atlanta. Um, yep. But I'm but I'm blown away constantly at how many people that I grew up with and, and that continually come out of Gainesville that that are super talented and, and driven to to go perform. Where was um, where was your spot in Atlanta? Was it uh, the Masquerade? Were you playing a lot of gigs there? I played a lot of gigs at the Dark Horse Tavern. I played a, a, a few gigs at Masquerade. Um, we played at the old Cotton Club back in the day. Um, we, we played at Smell Bar a lot. Uh, the Chameleon Club was a big thing in the 90s when, when my bands were playing around. Um, but we, you know, I, I got back from Florida State around 95, right before the Olympics. And, yep. uh, and we expected Atlanta to just blow up. We didn't know it was going to take 20 more years before it blew up. But, <laughs> uh, but we, did, we did expect it to really kind of blow up, uh, and it's an entertainment city. Um, and now it's insane with the movies and, and music has really come about. So, um, Yeah, so when you were in Florida, so then you moved to Florida, right? And you, 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 know, you go to college down there, you meet some people. Yeah. Obviously, I could totally tell by your career path. I mean, you're just embedded in music. You're just literally in the middle of everything. You're, you do producing. Obviously, you're in a studio now. But um, you, know, you do producing. You also, weren't you like a theater major? Or you, you studied being, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Like what, what, what was with the shift in kind of like career moves? Well, I went to Georgia for two years, uh, and then I, I was studying business there and doing kind of the straight, straight down the middle route. And I was, I was not pleased with that. I was volunteering to direct high school plays, and I was playing uh, music with my friends and and writing songs, and, and just couldn't stop performing. Uh, 
and so my my junior year, I left and went to Florida State to get my degree in theater. And within a week, I was playing uh, in a band. So I, I we played cover songs all over the the city down there in Tallahassee. And um, the band was called the Woodpeckers, and the band eventually became Distant Relatives, yeah. where we put a record out. So it, it was it was a very developmental time in my musical experience. Uh, and from there, I jumped off into an acoustic duo with my buddy Andy Birdsall, and that's where the band Brighter Shade became uh, the next uh, ten years of my of my musical path um, before joining Zach's band. So were you moving to Ninety-five. I've made my living playing gigs and and working in my studio. Yeah, well, that's that's the interesting thing to me. Um, I'm I'm very much similar to you. I I was never a theater major or anything, but I I'm very much into photography. I'm def- definitely into film. Um, I'm definitely I own my own recording studio and I played in a live band. Right. Having yeah. having said that, there's so much that goes along with all three of those things. It's it's not just like you could like be a studio guy and have a hobby of making films or being in a band. It's just it's just like so I guess my question is is like were you producing other bands? Were you just embedded in that scene? Is that what drove you? Or was like were you more fixated on say the studio aspect of it than the live aspect or was it just one of those like things that you did in parallel? You know, I started recording because I I didn't have any money to to pay for recording time. So I I was looking for things like you know you start with a four track and you go to an eight track and then you're eight and guys eight and you've got sixteen and the next thing you know you're thirty two tracks into this you know live board that you've all pitched in and gotten and that's how this grassroots studio thing goes because you don't have it's better to it's better to have spent you know five or ten thousand dollars on recording gear than to have spent five or ten thousand dollars on one record or three songs or something. So, you know, uh, and I'm kind of a do-it-yourselfer anyway, and, and I had a knack for it. And it, it just kind of blossomed into uh, learning learning my way through mistakes and, and uh, opportunities coming and going and changing and, and uh, playing all the time, but also recording. And that eventually leads to uh, recording other bands instead of just my material. So it, it's kind of a natural progression if you've got a knack for things like that. Well, well, I think you, I think uh, now being in the industry for a while and having made a bunch of records and recordings, I mean, I, I, I'm the same way. I, I, I built my own recording studio because I couldn't stand being in a studio with a producer that didn't understand my music, right? You pay for the time, you show up, the guy's like maybe taking it, you know, not too seriously, or you just kind of have the day and you're running in another room. I think great recordings come with time, right? So I'm sure you yeah. found your, t- you, you had plenty of time to find your tones. Did you get, was that like one of the motivating things, factors other than making your music? It's like making your own, like say recordings is one thing, but to actually spend the time and miking the amps right and like spending time, on, extra time on that part. I mean, that, that all comes, right? Is that, that, that's the thing that really got you, right? If you're in your own garage, there's nobody there punching the clock. Yeah. And if you get it right, I remember we got to the end of our first Brighter Shade record and it was on eight tracks. And the drummer was like, I hate my drum. I hate my part. <laughs> I was like, okay, on one this one tune. And I was like, we, you're you're already bust. Like we we had eight mics on you. We bust you to a two to a two tracks. You only got two tracks to play with. <laughs> and he's like, just give me a kick mic and an over. You're you're old you're old school played the whole thing again i was like <laughs> okay dude. Yeah. that's that's awesome that's super old school 
Um, <laughs> someone's asking right here, uh, Amanda, she's asking, what has Brighter Shade Studios produced? So other than your own projects, what else have you produced out of there? Well, we've done a lot of uh, local and uh, regional stuff. I mean, one of the first things was the Sonia Lee record that we did down at 800 East where Brighter Shade used to be. Um, but, but one of the things that kind of really made me understand that, that, that my studio was capable of handling big acts is that uh, we did the first two Zach Brown band records. So that was the kind of thing where the, our Nashville producers, in order for us to save money, came to my place uh, down in Atlanta and brought a rack full of gear and then all of the foundation and, and basic tracks and all of you get what you give uh, at Brighter Shade Studios in Atlanta. And since then, you know, I, I took a moment from 2010 to 2016 where the house that we were living in wouldn't accommodate real recordings. I had kind of a writing room, but it was 45 minutes to the old studio space. So between then and since 2016, we've built this. This is my attic. Um, yeah. so, so this has recorded the Joe Granston big band. It's recorded the Daryl Scott band. It's recorded uh, Trey Anastasio. Um, so we, we're picking up a lot of cool uh, projects that can come in here, and, and mostly because it's my home and it's not open to the public. Yep. You know, so so we have to kind of reach out to our friends if, if we want to be a part of something in here and, and uh, make it happen. You know, Zach Brown Band will rehearse in here, and we've done some overdubs in here. But we still do most of our recording in Nashville at Zach's place, uh, which is phenomenal. Yep. Um, but but this this is twenty five hundred square feet. It's it's just think of the footprint of the house, and then taking the roof off in lots of places and making it making it uh, kind of a, an attic elevated. And this is a twenty foot peak up here. It's it's pretty cool. You know, we're having a great great run, but but it's not as busy as some studio because I'm I'm required to be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah no that that uh, you're that you're pretty much the same guy as me yours is upstairs mine's downstairs mine's the whole yeah. basement of a 2500 square foot home so that's that's amazing to hear and you know it's funny it's like making records sometimes just being comfortable is is the way to go i mean you can literally go up go uh in your case downstairs and have uh you know food with your family yeah. Um, and then come back, you know, and it's not like you have to drive across town in order to get out of the studio and punch a clock. So I, I, I appreciate that. And I like the fact that you guys are doing that, you know, hands on. Yeah, man, it's, it, it, I love it, especially, you know, being in my forties and my kids are in school. It's like during the school year, not right now when we're homeschooling, of course, but during the school year, when they get home off the bus, I can be done. I can just get in there from nine to three and work while my wife does her thing during the day. And then when the kids get home, we can all kind of knock off and, and be ready. You know, that's awesome. Yeah, and watch Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, um, so I want to talk about film. I mean, how how did you get into that? I mean, I, I obviously people have probably asked these questions before. I want to know how deep like you get into the gear. Like, obviously, I can tell you're a gearhead, right? You probably build yeah. your own consoles and you're doing your own, you know, miking and whatnot at the studio. So I'm assuming that the same kind of uh, 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 concepts apply with film, right? Well, we, we have produced a few music videos here that are fun. More of that in the production aspect, but it's it's not something that, that I'm, I'm as proficient 
at as say you know making mixes on Pro Tools. It's it's more of a uh, I'm enjoying it. I've been in two movies, uh, one of which was Nick Jonas was the star, uh, and it's called Careful What You Wish For. Both of these movies, I've played musicians, so I haven't had a chance <laughs> to, to stretch my theater degree, but I have really enjoyed being involved uh, and have written some songs for the movies. The other one's called Adolescence, and I was uh, playing opposite Tommy Flanagan from Sons of Anarchy. So, you know, these are fun things that I've been a part of, but I'd, I'd love to continue to do more. The music video thing is really exciting to me, but, but the film thing is too. And maybe, while, you know, we're not going to be back on the road till January. There might be an opportunity if, if, if Atlantic and the, the country can get a little healthier and start working into uh, a way, to, a way to, to work together that, that I could, you know, explore some of the amazing things going on in Atlanta. Um, just have to see how, how the safety of our, of our neighbors uh, pans out and yeah. wait, for, wait for an opportunity. Well, I was going to ask that. I actually I actually didn't look at your tour dates prior to jumping on the call with you, which I should have, but were you guys set to go? Did you have to cancel anything and shove it, you know, move it down? Were you guys supposed to go on tour? Um, we were on tour. Oh. We, uh, we, we went out in February and we had had, we had three weeks of our touring uh, that had begun and when we got home, we canceled the spring. So for a week or 10 days, we had decided that the spring was, we're just going to you know, get back out in June when we had another uh, leg planned and then we canceled the entire year. So um, we're, we're not touring right now. And uh, that's, you know, that's tough because that's, that's what we count on to generate our salaries and, and that kind of thing. So we're, we're kind of coasting right now. Uh, we're very fortunate to have insurance and, and all those things, and, and uh, we're just counting our blessings and trying to trying to stay busy at home. Yeah, well, that's I was going to bring that up because if yeah, if you were on tour, I mean, it's obviously hard because the band has to you know you're 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 getting your salaries from there, but definitely I'm sure you guys are in a big enough act to where um, you know you still have to pay, pay your employees or. Or some of your employees, meaning your tour manager, or the you know drum tech, guitar tech, stage manager, all that stuff, front house, um, they must have took an even bigger hit because I think they 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 work they're more like ten ninety nine, right? They're just like consultants, correct? Well, some guys are independent contractors and and have been laid off indefinitely until we get back on the road, and some have been put on uh, reduced salaries like the band and and, um, and just trying to keep our mortgages paid. And, uh, uh, it's it's tough all around. I certainly hope that we don't lose anybody uh, in the long run after this is all said and done. I hope everybody can come back to the tour. Um, you know, we we run our, our ship a little bit differently so that we can keep everybody paid all year, uh, and and the touring needs to happen. So it's it's tricky. Yeah, it is. It really is. We had an artist. Uh, his name's Devin Townsend. Uh, he plays uh, uh, f uh, the Fishman Fluence pickups, and he uh, he had to cancel a tour too. And he was actually, you know, somewhat in debt. He he really wanted to do something right by his team, so he ended up starting a GoFundMe for his for his uh, his camp. And a lot of people have donated to that. So, is there anybody that you know of that has had to cancel a tour and also is in the same situation, other than yourselves? Pretty sure everybody. <laughs> pretty sure everybody has canceled everything or. Some people have postponed and, and, and hope to get back in the fall, but um, Live Nation is, has closed all the venues. So, I mean, we're, we're 
we're just kind of waiting on, on everything to get better. Um, I don't know of anybody who's playing shows right now. Uh, you? <laughs> you know of anybody that's playing? No, no. If anything, it's all online. You know how it is. But yeah. I, it's yeah. one, you know, I just going to say, it's like, it's one thing to cancel tour and just like stopped abruptly. And then there's one thing to like, oh, the tour's not happening. You re- you're kind of relying on the money, but if it doesn't happen, you're still home. But yeah. uh, in your case, it's it's always tough to be out and then have to just stop. You know, we, I was lucky enough. I was out in Europe with my band and um, we were in Europe and, you know, we only did a two week tour, but luckily we came home right at the time when we were supposed to. But there was other bands. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the uh, heavy metal band Testament. Um, they stayed a little bit longer than us. And um, Chuck Billy and his wife ended up getting really sick with diagnosed with the coronavirus because they were stuck in Europe. So that's always tough. But um Oh, Tim McKee from Dunlop is saying hi. So I'm not oh, sure if you <laughs> sure if you know him or not. But um, oh yeah, totally. So uh, you're also too. I looked it up. Um, you're gonna have a, a Corona birthday because your you, your birthday's uh, on the third, right? Yeah. So what are you gonna do? You're just gonna throw another like a, a party at your house with your with your fam? You know, it, it's kind of cute when the kids are here because we've had lots of kid birthdays and we've we've gotten in there. I'm not gonna do this for me. But we've gotten in the car and we've had a birthday parade. So I've I've got a pickup truck and the kids will get in the back and they'll and they'll play the Bluetooth speaker, the Deemer box, and they'll streamer the truck. We've done this three times. And they drive by the house of their friend and they wave and we honk and, and that's the birthday party. It's like it's better than nothing and the kids don't know it's coming, so it's it's a surprise. But, you know, for me, I thought about, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be 49. It's like, you're almost, you know, so I, my wife asked what I wanted to do. And I, and I kind of thought, you know, maybe we'll do like a Zoom or something. <laughs> Invite a bunch of people to, to it, like a, a studio cocktail party where everybody just kind of talks. But I don't know. Probably nothing. Probably I- was just, you know. Yeah, I was gonna say it's gonna be hard having a birthday like this. I see so many people, uh, you know, canceling weddings and having birthdays stuck in their house. It's it's kind of a bummer. But hopefully, you'll have a birthday and then you'll have like a a makeup birthday later on. <laughs> but uh, we have a question here from let's say Eric Stratton. Are you still working with um, Buddy Melton and Balsam Range? Absolutely. Um, I haven't had a chance to do anything on the recording end with those guys for a minute. But uh, I, I was able to go do their Christmas show in Lake Junaluska this past December. Um, they are by far my favorite bluegrass band and uh, collectively uh, one of my favorite groups of people. Uh, just a fantastic bunch of, bunch of guys and uh, much love to them and their families. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I have to ask you, so um, I don't know if many people ask you this, but I mean, you did a, you did a project with uh, Dave Grohl, right? Yeah. What was that? What was that like? How'd that all come about? It was so cool. It, the funniest part was the like day one because we were only doing five, uh, four songs. It was an EP, and Dave was supposed to be there. I don't know. Call it two o'clock. He was getting on an early uh, flight out of LA, and and he was going to show up in Nashville to meet with us and start producing these tunes. So we're sitting there in our chairs you know, uh, ready to go. And there's a time difference. Um, so we, 11 or 12, I can't remember what time it happened. Some crazy person ran in with a gun to the TSA agent at LAX. You probably remember hearing about it. It was 2013. Yeah. And, 
So the airport shuts down. And so Dave's like, now what? So he gets in a car and goes to Burbank. <laughs> and I took it and fly. But that means he doesn't get there until like 1030 at night. Yep. So we're just sitting around all day long with these couple songs that we've been messing with. And so Dave runs in there. We're in position. Like, we, you know, it's the room like this. And, and we're sitting there with our, with our stations. You got your acoustic guitar and your electric guitar and your amp and your, you know, pedal board. And you're just kind of waiting. <laughs> and, uh, and Dave walks in. He's like, hits the button. We've never met him before. He's only met Zach at this point. Yeah. Like, yes. We're like, hey, Dave. You know, he's like, <laughs> let's rock. And so... So that's it. We just start playing, you know, like, cool, here's this song we were messing with. So for three hours later, he's like, I think this is killer, guys. Let's drink. <laughs> okay. So that was it. We were over for the dinner. Uh, we, we had a few cocktails and hung out with him for a couple hours and then got started back the next day at noon and carved out these four songs that I'm still super proud of. I mean, just... What a great energy that whole time. Um, and, and during that, he went and sat in with us and played at the CMA Awards. So it was just a, a really cool experience all around to get to play on stage with him and, um, and to get to, uh, to do these tunes. And we've, we've stayed close to Dave ever since. He's just a super guy. I know. He's, he's absolutely amazing. Spe speaking from a little bit of experience, I had a, a quick encounter with him. I think we played grass pop in Europe and like, it's amazing to me that, you know, I've been to a couple uh, shows where he's like been up since like seven in the morning tonight, you know, like just cooking barbecue for the whole, for everyone that's backstage, which is totally cool. He's also like the type of guy, if you don't even know him, you know, you sit there and I was watching Iron Maiden at grass pop and we're up in the booth and like, literally we talked for about an hour, just about, whatever you know we're talking yeah. about you know whiskey and this and that and it's like it's cool to see that like guys like yourself guys like him you all know each other and you guys are just like you know down to earth where you know he could be a total rock star but he's totally not yeah he, he's just so he's so easy to hang with you know one of the things that zach said when we met him he said he reminds me of every dude in your crew you know <laughs> i was like we're the same age kind of and i and I was like, he does. He's, he's just like all that. He's from Virginia. We're from the South. Like it, it's like it, he's a lot like a lot of the guys that I hang with and, and all my best friends. And it's just a testament to, to his, his personal nature. So. <laughs> well, all your to, – to, to move on with your – you know, the, the music that you create. I mean, obviously, the Zach Brown Band is it's, – it's massive, right? I could ask you questions about that all day. Uh, but, you know, your solo stuff, I mean, it's such a departure from Zach Brown. Um, what is it like create with that creative process? Well, it's interesting because the things that I bring to Zach Brown Band um, vocally and as a songwriter are are very much uh, the things that I bring to my own music. You know that. So when you when you dissect Zach Brown Band and you start pulling different pieces away, say say we we do something without Clay or without Coy or without Matt. You start to feel the changes that happen. So yep. uh, one of the ways I've described it is that we're a band full of band leaders. Yeah. And everybody in this group has has been a music director or a band leader of some sort in their in their own lives um, before joining the band. So so we we bring this kind of process that we're already committed to into a process that needs to 
to be in the amalgamation. So it, it's, it's when you listen to my records coming out this summer, I hope I'm, I'm 90% done with it. Um, and, and when you listen to those tunes, you're going to, you're going to feel like a lot of that is sounding, it sounds kind of Zach Brown bandish, but then you, you've got me at the helm. Um, and the songs are just a little, a little different. Yeah. So you kind of tell how I bring my thing to Zach Brown band. And then Clay's putting out a record, Coy's putting out a record. You listen to these records individually, you kind of think, oh, wow, I can, now I can hear what these guys are sound like when they come together. So yeah. About the way that we, the way that we roll. Well, that's, well, that's kind of like where, where I'm going with it. So I'm going to, you know, with my band, it's like, I write, a certain amount of songs. My, my other guitar player writes a certain amount of songs. You know what each guy kind of does. So yeah. when you're writing for, say, Zach Brown, because like, obviously you've written some monster hits with that band, um, obviously collaborating with them. Are you writing with the intent of thinking of the other guy that may not be in the room? Because that, that's one of those things where like, you could play something back in your studio and you're like, oh, if, if you know, like if this part gets in here, I know they're going to add this to it. Do you kind of like, do you write like that? Or you just kind of write straightforward yeah i mean we we zach has been branching out in the past couple records to some pop guys and, and guys that, that we weren't uh quickly familiar with uh but when i'm writing a song that i feel like zach brown band can use i certainly take on the 15 years of being in the group to think about who's going to do what and, and how it might be choreographed um I, I think the other guys probably do too a lot of what I end up adding to Zach Brown Band now is is vocal arrangements in in the backgrounds, um, things that things that haven't been very prevalent in in recent albums, but things that I feel like we still really cling to and really love, especially in a live scenario, um, and and that I feel like we'll continue to do. But we keep exploring and pushing new boundaries, and Zach has a vision that we we back him on. Um, so you know, it, it, it continues like your group to uh, to evolve based on who's who, who brings whatever to the table. So yeah, we definitely think that in those terms. Yeah. So like when you when you're writing your own stuff though, your solo project stuff. I mean, I know how I am. Like I'll get in the studio and I'll write a song and I'll listen to it maybe nine thousand times in the car. Are you yeah. the type of guy that are you confident in your material where when you write something for yourself or your solo album, do you listen to it a bunch of times or do you do you have a few guys that you know of that like you bounce it off of just to make sure you're not crazy? Yeah, I, I do have some some people that I will bounce it off of to, to, to make sure that my mixes are, are solid. You know, a couple guys in Zach Brown bounce it off of those, those cats because they're with, with the, the way it should sound and, but my band my personal band you know uh, when I'm when I'm building my songs for this record especially I, I know which part is going to be Leah's part I've got a girl who, uh, who sings and plays fiddle I've got a banjo player who plays steel and that's not always appropriate for the tune so so we're trying to make them these parts creative uh, uh, and, and make them appropriate, you know? So I want the band to feel and sound like we do on stage, but I also want it to be polished. So when I'm writing these these tunes, I'm, I'm kind of already thinking about what those parts are going to be like. When you've got a, a female singer who can sky over everybody else, it's like you, now you've got this new way to, to come out of the tune, you know, one that you hadn't thought of in the past. So 
that's that's awesome yeah no i like it's always good to hear about people's creative processes um you know going back to zach brown band too obviously um i was reading up and um i've always been fascinated by bands that kind of do not me- like instrument sw- switches and member switches or like for instance like the cars is one of my favorite bands i'm from massachusetts so obviously cars is one of my all-time favorites uh, obviously they had some hits with one of the guys in the band the bass player um you know singing uh drive right and then like in the later 80s the the other guitar player became the lead singer and they kind of you know things happen like that in your in your case i mean you started off as a bass player and then you became yeah. a vocalist and and uh and guitar player is like when does a band like just turn around and say you know like we should do this instead of what we've been doing and and when does that happen it was crazy because Zach and I were, were out on a, a, a trip together with a, a bunch of other folks. And, and I was entertaining a big group of people uh, as a lead singer. And Zach saw me do that. And, of course, I've been doing this as long as I've known him. But he, but he had he just – I guess he remembered. I think I was singing a Marty Robbins tune and getting the crowd involved and being a theatrical idiot and – and just being a ham and, and going crazy and whatever. And he's like, I want you to do more of that. And so he, he wanted to hire a bass player that, that would allow me to, to run around and do more crazy stuff. So, um, so it just changed my role a little bit to where I could be kind of not a, not a lead singer, but a secondary singer in the band. Um, more so than, than having to, to hold down the bass duties as well. So for, for our purposes, it was, it was to put me in a, in a more theatrical position. Um, and in doing so, we, we, you know, attached Matt Mangano to the, to the band, who's of course a Berkeley grad, 10 times better bass player than me. So, <laughs> so it just was, it was like, when, when, let's do it. Great. So, <laughs> yeah. It's always, it's sometimes a- those things. I was going to say, it's always great have, being a bass player, and then you actually see a real bass player play, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> um, so going to your gear, I mean, obviously you've been with Fishman for a long time. Obviously, you know, um, you wouldn't be here if you weren't. What What do you use currently uh, for our products? So this is, aside from pickups and, and things like there's there's a really interesting uh, way that I've been using this aura. Are you familiar with this, JP? I'm sure you are. This guy. Oh, yeah. Majesty. Mm-hmm. You got that? Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so, so the toggle switch, those of you who don't know, this is a music man, uh, Petrucci Majesty. And this is the acoustic pickup. It's a piezo in the bridge. Yep. And this is the electric pickup. So the, the humbucker's there. And then you have a volume control for the acoustic. And it's got one jack. And it's yep. a stereo jack. So what happens is... You get that that acoustic sound out of the the uh, guitar, but it's it's got electric strings, and there's not really an acoustic cavity that makes it sound like an acoustic. So I've been using the Aura to try to uh, dial in the the piezo sound, and it's killer. Kind of. Um, you get the chance to model the, the you know, the dreadnought, um, the orchestra, the concert. I'm staying on the dreadnought the whole time. But, um, <laughs> yeah, those are, that, those are images made specially for the guitar, 
Correct. Yeah, and it's supposed to be for an acoustic yep. to give you, you know, just this this model acoustic sound, but it works great for the piezo on the uh, the way that I was like, how do I make that better? Check this out. <laughs> so that's that's a piece of my ear that, that people wouldn't think about because I'm trying to use an electric guitar to to make an acoustic sound. Yep. No, that's awesome. A lot of people use the Aura. Um, they find it's an all-in-one uh, kind of solution. You can plug right into it. It has like great um, uh, imaging. So uh, when you're playing a guitar, it just goes right to the front house or right through your PA, and it just it sounds sounds magical. So you've been yeah. using that for a while, huh? Yeah, totally. Any other uh, notable uh, Fishman products that you're using? I love the banjo pickup. It's an amazing one. <laughs> cool. In fact, in fact, I've, I've, I've used the banjo pickup on, on some occasions um, by itself completely. And then I've used it um, with the rare earth, the, the inside the, uh, the cavity as a blend. So it's been awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we're getting a lot of questions here. Obviously, like it's lighting up. Everyone's just asking me about this Christmas album. So let's, I guess we have to talk about it. Everyone loves your Christmas album. Do you plan on doing another one this year? Well, I'm trying to do one every two years. I did one in 2015, 17, and 19. The one in 2015 was with the Atlanta Pops Orchestra. Um, that was that was insane, having to, to, to wrangle 35 people and... and to these arrangements that my friend Wes Funderburg put together for me. Um, but that was kind of a greatest, greatest hits of, of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, so I just chose all of my favorite Christmas songs, not knowing if I'd ever do another one. And then two years later, I did one with the Joe Wilson big band. And that one was all Santa songs. So that was all big band jazz. And then last year, I'm actually wearing the shirt. The ATL collective is um, the band that, that did this last one with me, and it's all R&B songs from 1950 to 1985. Um, That's awesome. All of these things have horn arrangements and string arrangements and um, drums, bass, piano, keys, all of it. Uh, they're they're super intricate, and and for me, it's a chance to bring out that theatrical element a little bit and do something that I can come back to every every season. Um, I'm definitely hoping that my Christmas shows still happen we've got a lot of things planned um but uh no record this year uh it's possible that we could do a deluxe version like a vinyl version of some of the of either the big band or the atl collective or both we've got the time we just have to have the safety yep um so if we can do that then we would have some deluxe versions that we come out with some new songs but uh right now we're tentatively uh scheduled to begin the next Christmas record at the end of this year with the Yacht Rock Review. Um, if, that's, if that happens the way that I hope it does, then we'll be uh, getting involved with that in, uh, in October, something like that. Uh, excuse my, my ignorance. What is the Yacht Rock Review? Because I am uh, – I, obviously, being in a heavy metal band, dudes like us, we, we should be listening to heavy metal at, before the show, but my guitar player and I – only listen to yacht rock so i want to know i want to know what this okay. is you need to know and i want you to google it when you're when we get off the, the call because you're gonna friggin love guys half of them are metal guys 
And the other half are progressive rock guys, singer-songwriter guys. They're all multi-instrumental, fantastic talents. They're all from Atlanta. And they have cornered this yacht rock thing. And they're, they're playing theaters. Like, if they come to Boston, they're going to be in a 1,200-seat, 1,500-seat theater. Um, <laughs> but it's called the Yacht Rock Review. They've got the polyester shirts. They've got the hair. They've got the sunglasses. They sway like this when, like in sync, when they're playing. It's, it's insane. And they're so very good. And uh, you're gonna love them. Anyway, um, they're all super close friends of mine that I've known them for 20 years. And um, each each of these Christmas records is is uh, got a theme behind it. And this next one's gonna be uh, like. Like uh, they're they're kind of they they kind of have their own like vibe and like the first one's blue and then the second one is Santa and it's all red and the third one is gold and it's all R and B the next one's gonna be like like yacht rock and it's gonna be like snowfall like <laughs> you know what I mean like, that's like, so sick trying to have fun with it, but, uh, <laughs> people don't just so, people don't understand the power of yacht rock I. Uh, my 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 uh, girlfriend's very, she's a few years younger than me, and uh, I took her to an air supply concert recently. And, yes. And I and I'm like I'm like she doesn't know any of the material. She's like I don't know how I missed this because she's a music fan. And I'm like oh yeah you definitely missed it. I'm like watch what happens when they sing this song. And sure enough, the room is just like a spiritual moment. And uh, yeah. she's like oh, I gotta I gotta start listening to this stuff. I can't believe I missed this. Yeah, you love it nothing at all. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Any actually any of their songs is like a is a home run yeah. in a baseball game. Like they just hit them all day. Yeah. Same thing with like going. I used to call um. One of my favorite artists of all time is Eddie uh, Eddie Money. Obviously, he's since passed, yeah. but I used to call that yeah. uh, rock and roll church, right? So, right. like, you would go there, you'd go order about eight or nine drinks for your friends, but like, it's just everyone's in the hands in the air, religious experience. Um, the best quote I've heard on stage was Eddie Money. Um, he said, like, he 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 grabbed the mic and he's like, yeah, "I wrote this song three rehabs ago," and just threw his tambourine in the air. <laughs> <laughs> you can't beat that kind of stuff. But yeah. uh, well. well all tongue in cheek. I mean, uh, you know, these guys are are family men, and they're um, absolutely fantastic musicians and and consummate professionals. And uh, but 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 they're always on the cruises. They're on. They're just they're perfect for it. And when they're not on the cruises, they're they're touring and, and killing it in these in these great theaters and and arenas. And uh, you got to check it out. They put out their new their own original record. That, kind of follows that jam band sort of uh, groove and it's it's they're fantastic well i'll say it in my best boston accent if uh if you and i are at one of their gigs sometime and i see you there i'm gonna buy a cape cotta we're gonna drink yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um well before i let you go um people are asking and please feel free to say no at this but so, so most of these people are asking on the feed if you'd play us something you have an acoustic guitar behind you. They're mentioning it. Would you play us a little bit yeah. of something before we get out of here? Absolutely. Cool. So I like this one, especially in, in terms of the uh, the crisis. It's called Missing You All, All the Time. And, uh, and it's about my girls, um, but, but it kind of feels, the, at least the chorus kind of feels like uh, – like when are we gonna get to hang out again? <laughs> you know, like, I love it. Uh, we, right before it got crazy, we uh, right before Atlanta went shelter in place, 
Um, we had a, a socially distant concert at the top of my driveway. And the neighbors showed up with lawn chairs, and you know, I put a, my Bose rig out on the, the by the mailbox, and and it was it. That's the last time I got to play for anybody. So it's been a month now, and and I'm getting I'm getting antsy. So. <laughs> So, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, ev everybody's freaking out that you're playing the song, so this is totally awesome. Oh, good, good. Here we go. Hurricane to south of New Orleans. Kept it stuck just north of Slidell. Now we've got a double back down to Houston, where it's hot as hell. Got a message from my daughter. Wish I could have picked up the phone. Don't you dare miss my birthday. Daddy, please come home. Got a Where the little man and the grace of God I'll be on my way Missing you all the time All day long Every night tonight turns into dawn Missing you all the time Round and round and round and round. 
people reaching for you. I keep reaching for person to actually play a song on our live feed so we really appreciate oh, that pleasure. that was amazing that was awesome guys this this was john driscoll hopkins and uh actually if you want to find more music of his go to john driscollhopkins.com um it was great having you man hopefully we'll see you around soon and we really appreciate appreciate you supporting the fishman uh thing oh it's my pleasure man thanks for all you do you guys are amazing all right i'll catch up with you soon man have a good one Hi, buddy. You too. Bye.